1: Hello and welcome to All well Starts Out Week, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over going on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny it to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley and I'm joined today by Adam Elliott. Adam, how are you?
2: I'm fabulous. Um, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a nice day today, watching a bit of uh, Sunderland, watching a bit of Newcastle when they got smashed by Spurs, and then I ate um, some really nice food as well. I had a, like a I wouldn't call it a paella, but it was like a Spanish-type rice with chorizo, chicken, loads of spices. It was, it was really spicy. Actually, I made it a little bit too spicy, but it was delicious. So, yeah, all good, and I'm and I'm enjoying Leeds United.
1: Still, we are on a really good run at the moment, so that's also very good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Um, I haven't eaten yet, and your description of your tea has just made me quite quite hungry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to be tucking into some food of my own. Probably a pizza, I think. Uh, there's something quick to chuck in the oven, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, my weekend's been good. Um I've actually done something with my weekend. I very rarely do that, as you will be aware, Adam. Um, I went to a wedding on Saturday. My partner's brother married. So it was good fun. Um, went up to North Allerton. That was where the wedding was. And we was there for a couple of days. And this was part of the wedding party. So yeah, it was good fun and just had some drinks and did some awful dancing into music I don't like. Um, but yeah, <laughs> other than that, it was good fun. Sounds and like a really good time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, it was
2: good. Yeah. I know for sure that you snuck off to watch a tiny bit of the Blackbird game at one point, <laughs> didn't you?
1: <laughs> I did indeed, I did indeed. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch the first half because the ceremony kicked off at 12.30, so I wasn't able to sneak off then, um, but at a time... These at the last game last week off and watch them, so that was good. Uh, but no, um, we're not here to talk about weddings or food. We're here to talk about Sunderland, who we play on Tuesday at the Stadium of Light. We do not have an opposition fan to talk to you for this one, so we'll just dive right into it. So Adam, can you tell our listeners what's been happening with Sunderland in recent years? It feels like a long time since we played them. In fact, the last time we played them was in 2018, so five years ago, which we lost 2-0. I believe. No, no, no. So so we we drew one around. all. Ah, I'm, I'm, we I'm reading something
2: wrong here then. <laughs> we won 2-0 at Stadium stadium like that season. It was actually ah. the one where um, Chris Wood was about to seal a move to Burnley so he was left out like quite ah. late on. And yeah, Saiz had a, a great game that day and then the next time was at Ellen Road a little bit later in the season and that was disappointing that, that draw because they did end up getting relegated. Uh, but that was under bomb. So yeah, it's been a long time since we played against Sunderland um, for a few reasons. Obviously, we've been in the Premier League for a few years. But yeah, they were relegated that season. Um, uh, they then spent four seasons in League One. Um, Leeds fans might not know that, but it was quite a while they they had down there. A bit like us, to be honest. Uh, this this kind of big club, big fan base type thing. Dropping into the third tier and staying there for probably longer than they would like. They had the likes of Jack Ross as manager and Phil Parkinson and streaky Lee Johnson. Um, but none of those worked. And then Alex Neal was actually the one that got them promoted um And he obviously is quite an interesting one to talk about at the moment because he uh, actually got sacked today for the club that he left Sunderland for uh, in Stoke. Uh, just a few games into last season and that meant that Tony Mowbray came in um, and he took this really young squad of like exciting players and, and made them really competitive straight away to be honest. Um, they finished sixth last season in their first season back which obviously a very impressive feat for a team just been promoted from League One unfortunately. Ipswich are kind of blown that out of the water this season in the championship but still impressive nonetheless last season and yeah, they, they, that's where they are now. They're sixth in the league right now. Um, but obviously, Tony Mowray has been sacked in spite of this. Um, it's just a bit of a surprise in kind of a lot of the footballing community. Even though they had been looking at some other managers in the summer, one being Francesco um, Varioli, who was obviously doing very, very good things in France with Nice at the moment. Um, and they did have a look at him. That was widely reported. But this is kind of a big club with good resources and quite ambitious. So I, I guess they saw things weren't quite going in the way they wanted and they've, they've decided to make a change. But I don't think they have a, a new manager in place now, and they're not going to have one for the game
1: against Leeds either, are they? Yeah, it just seem like it's going to be Mike Dodds, who's been the caretaker, who's going to be staying in charge um, for the game against us, so that is unlikely to change, Um, but we want to talk a bit about their recent results, so so what's their form been
2: like? It's been a bit mixed, hasn't it, and I think this is probably why Mowbray's got the sack, and even though they have put up decent numbers in a lot of these games for both shots, expected goals, and all the rest of it, they have been um, a little bit down in terms of, of the actual results that have come out. So they obviously won the last game against West Brom since Mowbray got sacked, but before that they had a draw, two defeats, a win, a draw, a win, and then three defeats before that, including a thumping by Middlesbrough, which is one of their local rivals, obviously. So th- they've been a bit up and down in terms of results, even if performances haven't always been the, uh, the sort of problem. I think it's some of the teams they played within that that have been an issue, so losses to Plymouth, losses to Huddersfield, and Stoke, they're probably the most damaging for Tony Mowbray and probably why they've been sacked um, but yeah, they're, they're obviously a team who are still quite good because they're now sixth, even though they've had this sort of iffy run. They've won one game and they've they've managed to get themselves back in to the playoffs again. So it's just one of them crazy things, that sort of area of the championship, that, that sort of seeded
1: batch that not the top 20 talk about a lot. Um, they keep trying to move around a lot, these sort of teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think probably the expectations were quite high for Mowbray, even despite um, how well he did for them last season, I'd guess. Um, there's They've quite a strong team, I'd say. Uh, just from was looking over the they got a lot of talented players who we'll get onto a bit later on. Um, but do you want us to talk a bit about how they set up in possession? So how do they look to get the ball forward? So most likely they're going to set up in a
2: four-one-four-one sort of team uh, system, uh, but that can sometimes look like a four-two-three-one sort of shape. Um, they've got two advanced number eights, a bit like what we did with Bielsa, um, but not quite in the same way. Uh, where one of them, which recently has been Oshish, I think is how you pronounce it, um, will probably play a bit further forward as, as more of a number 10 type, or at least a very more, a very much more advanced number 8. Um, but there's also Bellingham, uh, that's Jude Bellingham's brother, Job, and Alex Pritchard that have played that role a little bit as well. So they've always got one of the two 8s as a bit more of an advanced player, and then they've got one that drops deeper um, for the build-up, which is usually Dan Neal, the other central midfielder, but he still will be more of a sort of number 8 rather than drop in to make it a, a two all the time. Uh, like When they have possession, he will want to get forward. And that was kind of exemplified by his goal against West Brom, which is a very well-taken goal. And um, and he'll have a bit more license to roam. But he'll largely try to help progress the ball with Equa at the base of midfield and kind of form a bit of a pivot. Both of them pretty comfortable in possession and turning out of that and, and playing passes forwards. Um, the fullbacks will also venture forward. Usually one of them is more inverted, and that has been the left-back this season. I don't know if this is necessarily something they always functionally do or it's because they have a right footed player there at the moment I know that Dennis Serkin is injured um, I think he was a little bit more of a left footer on the left attack minded look to get down the line a little bit more but at the moment they've got a fullback in now Huggins who Leeds might be aware of who will look to cut inside Um, but yeah largely they're a team that have high possession and their average stats in the league this season have reflected that they look to get on the ball um, progress through the thirds and and build up play when they can but I do think in general they're actually a better more dangerous side in transition Um, and we'll come on to talk about some of these players and some of the reasons why in a bit but basically they've got a couple of really really good wingers for this level who will drop deeper sometimes even into central sort of areas around the halfway line and look to drive with the ball and carry the ball into space is high up the pitch it doesn't always necessarily mean they have to pass the ball to progress it sometimes they will do this and they have a bit of a cheat code in one of their players which again we're going to go talk about in a little bit but yeah they they can kind of attack teams in a lot of different ways largely they they look to possess the ball especially at home i think and they will also look to play in transition quickly where possible as well and in particular it will be down the left side
1: that's very fair i think that i saw a lot of what you mentioned there in the well, a little bit of a game which I watched earlier today. I was I didn't have much chance to watch too much. I watched about half an hour earlier today. But I did like a lot of what I saw in that game. And they, they a lot of good combinations going on with different areas on pitch. And the the deeper midfielder, Ekwer who you mentioned, um, I, I liked that he was often going into the right-back area when the right-back was getting forward, just to help them to build up and get that separation from the press. And yeah, the... They seemed relatively good at getting by the press, which uh, West Brom had in that. And as, as we know, West Brom are a good out-of-session side. They can call cause problems for the teams. And they did quite well in the, in that game to get out of that pressure, I felt, in the game I watched. Yeah, they, they they were definitely the more dominant team of the two, 100% throughout, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but what about when they don't have the ball? How do they look to press and to get the ball back? So they, they do deploy
2: a quite aggressive mid-block, um, really, uh, that's something they've done for quite a while now. It didn't really change in this game, even though they have obviously had a change of kind of hands in the managerial dugout. Um, I kind of expected that it would probably largely stay the same. This happened a couple of times to us now with the with the Rotherham game and now the Sunderland one. But yeah, they they were mostly the same. So um, they look to try and aggressively kind of quite high up sometimes um, win the ball, but it doesn't always work out. So one thing I I've noticed I have watched quite a bit of Sunderland this season is that there's there's probably some joined-up sort of dots that aren't always there. Um, not, or should I say, not joined-up dots that aren't always there. Um, so there's a bit of naivety with their pressing. I think sometimes one or two players can, can be triggered to go into it and, and if the ball is then played around them, it doesn't always work out. Last season, high regains was one of their main ways to go. It was one of the things they were strongest at. Um, but yeah, I think that players can get Dragged out quite easily. So Ek was one of those uh, a couple of times against West Brom. If he went too far forward as the most defensive minded midfielder, um, if he then you know either was tackled when he was in possession or, or and the ball turned over, or he you know failed to make the tackle or block that he needed to make with a player coming at him, then it was a bit of a problem because there was lots of open space uh, to sort of attack the centre-backs from Um, so that can be a bit of a problem for them and I think that is a a problem across the team, I don't think it's just with him, it's just that he's an area of particular concern I think for them if if he does that. Um, I would say it kind of reminds me a little bit of what we've seen occasionally from Pascal Strauch and Glenn Kamara recently where one or two of them might have tried to like um, press the ball a little bit higher and engage a bit higher up the pitch, and and then if it fails, suddenly you've got like a two-on-one against Ampadu in midfield and, and that numerical advantage um, for the opposition. So that's something to be wary of. But in general, they are quite good at it. They have been for a while. It's just I think that sometimes it's not always joined up and that's where we could exploit them a little bit.
1: I think I picked up on that when I was watching them, um, especially with what you mentioned about Equa. There was a few times where he was committing very high considering he what is the base of the, of the midfield and should probably look to be a bit more disciplined there, um, especially because he's got two midfielders who were higher than him also put, putting pressure on. So I don't think his presence was really needed there. That would be the equivalent of Ampadu also joining up in the press when Umura is already up there. So yeah, I, I did notice that, and that is something which I think we can look to exploit. Um, but with regards to them playing against us, do you think them they'll be more traditional or do you think they'll still look at success and build up the ball through the thirds?
2: I think it's a really interesting question, to be honest, because I think at home they're probably going to allow to play the same way, um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go for them. So I think they'll still play out of possession the same way. I think the mid block will continue. Uh, I don't think that's going to change much, um, but it's just that in possession, I think they might try to possess the ball, and that might be something that suits us. If they do decide to sit in a little bit more and be a bit more transitional, kind of coax them onto us to create those transition, transitional moments for themselves, then that might be the of benefit to them, especially with some of the players they've got on the break. They've got some of the best counter-attacking players in the division. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a really interesting one and I'm not 100% certain, but what I think might happen is both teams
1: look to possess the ball, but I guess we'll talk about that a bit more later. Exactly. And another thing which uh, I believe they're a bit of a threat at um, is set pieces. Um, I, I think they've got a few of them set pieces. Am, am, am I right in that? Yeah, so it's one of their biggest strengths, actually. Uh, so they've got a couple of
2: absolutely excellent set piece takers, which is the likes of... Uh, Patrick Roberts, uh, the left footer, and he does come onto the pitch because he doesn't always start. Alex Pritchard, a right footer. Both of them are, are really good. Um, you might have seen the goal that they scored against West Brom, the first one. Um, that was from a free kick. That was Pritchard. But they've been really good at this all season. I don't even think they've got like... <laughs> Huge amounts of height in their team. They've got a, like a pretty normal size. They've got some tall players and some small players. I think it's pretty pretty average, to be honest. Um, but they are really good uh, at delivering balls into the box. So that's another threat they have. Uh, another string to their bow. And I think that. Pritchard got two assists in the last game, so there's a small chance that he might even be trusted with more minutes in this game. Not necessarily saying he'll start, but if he does, then they've got a right and a left footer that are both very adept at free kicks. And I would be concerned, and they've got likes of Ballard and other players that are very, very good in the air. Um, Some of their midfielders, in fact, Ekwa's probably quite a good threat. He's very tall. Uh, Joe Bellingham has scored a couple this season from set pieces, so they've got a few players that could be uh, a threat in that sense as well. Oh, and they're also very good at defending. Oh. So that's the thing; it's probably not going to be a, a strong area for us either. Oh,
1: excellent! That's just what Leeds fans want to know: is a team who are good at attacking set pieces. And the data does back that up. By the way, um, they have the most set piece xG in the league um, nine point nine point one three set piece xG so far. And uh, the closest to that is Millwall, just behind them with eight point eight. And the Shot. And <laughs> exactly. And they've also got the most set-piece shots as well, over 100 set-piece shots so far, and that's in 20 games, so around 5 shots per game. But they've actually underperformed when it comes to their set-piece goals, which is quite interesting. Um, the, so they're yeah, exactly. That's concerning. <laughs> yeah, just when Leeds come, in, come along. But yeah, so Leeds fans will be totally normal about that little aspect. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we've uh, put the set-piece threat, but what about individuals? Who do we have to look out for, both good and bad? So we go with the bad first, what bad players come up to get.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's fine with me. So there's not actually huge amounts of weakness in their team. I think they've got some problems with depth. So when they have some injuries, I think that's a bit of an issue, the sort of squad players, but what team in the Championship doesn't really have yeah. that other than kind of Leicester and maybe even ourselves in some areas and a few other teams, but not, not very many. Um, I think one of the biggest issues they have in their squad in general is the lack of experience and I, I know this is not a specific player thing but I just wanted to talk about it a bit more generally about across their team so um, I know how you know how old I am but I won't reveal it to all our listeners but I would be the sixth oldest player if I played for Sunderland so that kind of shows um, kind of what we're dealing with here that they're, they're a very very young team which obviously can work both yeah. ways so I mentioned a bit of naivety and, and some sort of joined up thinking with with the press um, I've mentioned a few other things in this already I think that the experience does tie in with that. I genuinely do think there's a lot of players that are going to be hot and cold over the course of a season when they're that age because that's just naturally what happens. There'll be some that are very consistent. Obviously, like they've they've just got to that point in their development curve, but others, maybe not so much. So that is definitely something that so they can blow a bit hot and cold. I think the the results this season may be shown that. But then uh, talk about specific players a little bit more. Um, Luke O'Neill is probably one of their weaker players. He's one of the ones that some these fans might know of. If you've watched Sunderland Till I Die, he comes across really well on there. He's been at the club for quite a few years now. I think he's their vice captain. He's been captaining them recently. Um, he's definitely one of their weaker players. He's been moved around the pitch a lot for Sunderland over the years. He played in a holding midfield role. He played right back, but he's currently playing as a centre-back. I wouldn't say he's the best in or out of possession. He's not the best defender. He's quite rash. He gets a lot of yellow cards. He gives up a lot of fouls. And then in possession, he's he's not awful with the ball. But he's not great. So, like, and he's also not the tallest either. So he's definitely not a, a strong player for them. And I know Sunderland fans have been asking for him to be dropped for a while now, but it doesn't seem like they're, they're willing to do so, probably because they need a few experienced heads in there. Um, Niall Huggins, obviously a player that's developed quite well since leaving Leeds, but I still think he's more of an attack-minded fullback. He's not the best defender. I think he won one versus one I think he can be got at. And I, I think if he's a right-footed player playing left-back, which is probably the most likely, but not guaranteed. He might play it right back. Um, if he's doing so, then I think Dan James can have the beating on the outside if he wants to. Uh, I think that'd be a good area of us for us to exploit. And then they've had quite a few issues at striker. Uh, I would say uh, a lot of their goals have come from from midfielders so they've had to play Joe Bellingham as a centre forward and he's literally said in an interview before the West Brom game because I watched it I like the number 8 role, I don't mind the number 10 role but I'll play as a striker if I have to he's not really suited to it um, and they've also had to play some players like Bradley Dack there, um, a few others that are midfielders and they haven't really settled on a striker because the two they have on their books, the two main ones well they have three actually but one of them doesn't play much at all now because he clearly isn't ready but they've got um, guys, I've forgotten their names now, why have I forgotten their names? You might have to cut this out, editor. Um, Burstow, Rusin. Mason Burstow, yes. Mason Burstow, online from Chelsea. And then they've got a lad called Rusin, who's a Ukrainian striker who had a good record out in Ukraine. Uh, But neither of them have really set the world alight. But they might choose one of those guys uh, it's possible. But I don't think they're as good out of possession, which is why I think they've been playing Joe Bellingham there recently because I think he's a bit better at the defensive
1: side of things and, and with the high press if they need to employ that at any point. No, that's fair, and I think you mentioned there that they've had problems with striker, but I still don't, I don't think that has affected them scoring goals, and especially a couple no. of the guys who... I know for one in particular that you're going to want to talk about at length. Um <laughs> But yes, who who are there good players who we should be watching out for?
2: Quite a few. Uh, I'll, I'll go through quite a few. One of them has been linked to Leeds, actually, so I think it's probably good to mention him. Trey uh right back. Um, I know that you were looking at him yourself recently and you looked at some of the data and said, oh, he shows up really well uh, defensively in Jules. He's he's putting up really good numbers, but I also think he's pretty good on the ball. He's, not, he's good going both ways, basically. He's only 21, so he's a player on a steep development curve. Um, I think with this section, I, I should mention, I've already said they've got quite a young squad. One thing they've been trying to do as much as possible in recent years is, is kind of buy low, sell high. Obviously, there is some risk with that and there will be some players that don't work out in that regard. So they'll sign some players and they, they just don't work out. They don't flip them for profit. But a lot of the players they're trying to do that with now are kind of working out. They've developed players really, really nicely. And he's one of them. They sold it, They signed him for a really, really small fee and he's already, you know, he's probably worth a few million at least already, if not more. So he's one of the better right backs in the division. Um, and I, I, I like this model. I, and it's why I must say, to listeners, just from personal experience, I don't like Sunderland very much as a club. I don't know why. Well, actually I do know why, but I won't go into sort of personal life stuff. Um there are a few reasons and they're probably one of my like fifth, sixth least favourite teams outside of the obvious Man United Chelsea's of the world. Uh, but actually this iteration of them really enjoy the loads of players to to kind of get into here. So and the goalkeeper, I don't know I've said in other podcasts, um, Goalkeeper is quite good for this team, but he is actually one of the best goalkeepers in the division, and a lot of the stats will back that up as well. He's a really, really top goal uh, stopper, like in in between the sticks. Um, Dan Ballard, I mentioned him, scored from the corner. A product of the Arsenal Academy, they signed him pretty cheap. He's already developed really nicely. He's one of the better centre backs in the division, I would say, and is a player that's probably helping 0-9 out a lot in that in that role. Ekwa, um, although we've we've both just touched on him, maybe being a little bit he out of possession, I think on the ball, he's really looked comfortable and he likes to take the ball on the turn, as well as his midfield partner, Dan Neal, both of them really young midfielders that are very comfortable with the ball. Neal has been linked with Liverpool and a few other Premier League teams. He's really, really well thought of. He's an academy product. So is Patterson, actually. But they've they've got a few of those and, and he's one of the, the brightest sparks in their team. He's also captain of the team. And he's very, very young. Um then you've got patrick roberts one of their best swingers and certainly player i really like and have liked for a few years i'm glad his career's back on because obviously he kind of it kind of didn't work out for him with a, f- a few of the moves earlier in his career but he is definitely one of Sunderland's best threats really good ball carrier dribbler one versus one threat he will look to cut inside onto his left foot with every opportunity from the right and is very, very good at it. Um, There was a few moments in that West Brom game, you probably saw one of the ones early on, where he gets free and he attacks the box and he's very, very good um, and very hard to stop. So he is a player to be a bit worried by. And then I guess the last one to talk about, I'll happily let you go first with it if you would like to, because I know that he's probably a player you know the most about in this team yourself.
1: Um, Well, Jack Jack Clark, of course. Um, He is one (laughs) a player who Leeds fans are very familiar with and he's been very good for us in the past but he's on another level at the moment which Lund, I think she would disagree. Um, he's very, very good especially at 1v1 one, one attacking and um, he's very, very fun to watch. Loves to get forward, loves to beat his man at the first opportunity he gets and probably at the second opportunity as well if he wasn't done with him the first time. And he's also very good at scoring goals. Um, he's a uh, scorer with 10 goals so far and he's I think, overperforming his XG by a couple of goals at the moment. Uh, so yeah, he's got so he's their most, their biggest threat when it goes forward, both attacking and creating. I think, um, I think it's close between him and Patrick Roberts about the its creator that they've got. But yeah, he's a very, very good player. Um, but I'll let you rave about him a little bit more.
2: <laughs> yes, um, some of our listeners will know how I feel about Jack Clark. Um. Uh, he is a player, obviously, that's left Leeds, and lots of Leeds fans will know of him, but he has developed so nicely since that. Obviously, had a couple of failed loan moves, including to us, Stoke and QPR as well. Didn't really work out, but he got on loan to Sunderland, done well in League One, and they've signed him permanently. Um, and he's just gone to another level really he was good in league one but he's got even better in the championship for some reason Um, he is their main attacking threat as martin's mentioned so dynamic uh, they'll look to find him if they have a transitional moment every chance they get they'll they'll look to that sort of left channel and he'll pretty much always show for the ball wherever he can he doesn't really care too much where he receives it if it's in a good posi- if he has to drop deep into positions he maybe doesn't want to be in a bit like Jack Grealish when he played for Villa in the Championship I would I would describe him as and just drag the team up the pitch he will do it and he's brilliant at it um, and essentially this is a battle of the two best wingers in the league in my opinion in Clark and Somerville I think they're both brilliant and I love them both very much for different reasons um, but yes they're both so good at carrying and dribbling into space and, and the one thing you kind of touched on there is if he gets tackled he's relentless he'll just go straight back in he'll try and get his foot on the ball again and just go again and he just doesn't really stop and give up Um, and yeah, he'll get to the byline and cut the ball back if he has to, he'll cut inside and shoot if he has to he's a really, really dynamic threat now and a a much better player than the one that Leeds sold to Spurs and at the time a lot of us thought, you know, that's really good money and and it kind of was but you look at him now and he's one of the best players, let alone wingers in the Championship, Uh, he's brilliant and he's only like 23, so um, good on him He's
1: he's a player doing really, really well and yeah, definitely their best player, 100% Yeah, I would agree with that um, but I'll talk a bit about their data for this season. Um, you talked quite a bit, so I'll give you a bit of a reverb from talking. <laughs> uh, so just looking over their data, I've already mentioned about the set-piece threat. So they are the set-piece attackers in the league on GXG. They are around 10th in the league for XG created at 21.67 XG, and they've scored 18 goals from that. So they've got a bit of an underperformance when it comes to striking, but that would make sense with them not having a registered centre-forward. So Jack Clark is doing some some overperforming, and the rest of the team are underperforming a bit on that level. And in regards to XG against them, they do not too much, actually. They've got the 7th best XG against numbers in open play, so they're d- doing quite good on that front, of stopping shots getting to them. And they're probably around about where they should be with goals conceded against that. So they've conceded 17 goals from that 16.7 XG in open play. So that's relatively good. In regards to the set-piece XG, like you already mentioned earlier, they are pretty strong defending set-pieces. They are the best team in the league when it comes to defending set-pieces. <laughs> so you not 4.01 XG that was conceded, and teams have actually overformed that slightly with 6.0. Goals conceded from that, so yeah, that's about it from the XG some of things. But regards to the style of play, what Opta says, they're probably kind a similar area to us. Actually, not not massively direct and not massive massively patent, sitting in between the two styles. So yeah, the team who mixed it up and has a lot of different threats in their arsenal, quite similar in style, I think to us. I would say, but with maybe not as many high quality attackers from what we've got. the two the two where we've got for really no joe bellingham is good he's good but i don't think he's quite as good as what robertson's clark are but yeah that's about everything from the data side of things um but regards to the lineup um to be what injuries do they have at the moment First so that's all
2: their club captain's been injured for most of the season so far um he's a long-term injury um then they've got a few other players that maybe had a chance of starting Elise, and then two fullbacks in dennis Serkin and and Timotei Pembele, um, but yeah, those are the most notable ones. They've got a few other fringe guys like James Tete, and Bennett, and then the really exciting sixteen-year-old that some people might have seen um, scored a few goals for them already. Chris Rig, um, a central midfielder that's usually comes on as a striker when they when they put him on, which they seem to just be doing a lot, a lot this season. Um, but yeah, um, he's he's great. So look out for him, another academy product. They've got loads of these pouring out their ears, a bit like us. Um, but yeah, they don't have too many injuries and, and the lineup has been kind of settled recently. I think the only one of note there really is Dennis Serkin. I think he would have a good chance of starting, but other ones, maybe not so much.
1: So for cast lineup, the um, I think we've got right down here, in goal, Hume, Ballard, R 9 and Huggins. potential um, for Huggins or Hume to be on either side because both of them have played at left-back and right-back. So one is undecided. Equa in the DM spot. Um, with Roberts and Clark on the wings, Neil and either here or Bellingham in midfield. But Bellingham could also play up front. Um, if Bellingham isn't playing up front, it would have to be Routin or So. Sound right? Yeah, it does. I think Burstow's played the most games as the striker
2: so far this season, but they have rotated that a lot. That's probably them in the position they've they've rotated the most. Dak as well, another player that Leeds may have heard of on, on the bench, but obviously he was a he was a Mowbray boy, so I don't, don't know what's going to be next for
1: him. Yeah, well he was a good player for Blackburn was on so potential. potential means if the next manager likes him is I think. Um but yeah, the I think I think they may end up going with Bellingham up front if Monitz. Uh, they may want their best out of possession by against us I would imagine at least that's what they would doing in their shoes because the fact that they're mainly going to th- focus on against us I think would be on the wing and it makes sense of the threat they've got there um, but I think that's about everything for the fund analysis so we'll move on to the lead section and I think we we'll to swap who's hosting for this so I'll let you take it away then
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this game, by the way. Um, I think... It's going to be another a really really tough fixture for us, but yeah, uh, I think there are ways we can hurt them. So yeah, we'll first of all talk about any injuries we may or may not have. Martin, I think we have one in particular that's kind of pertinent. But Bamford was also ill in the last game, so it's kind of maybe touch and go whether he's going to be fully ready. But the other one is a player that we both really enjoyed this season, isn't it? At left back,
1: yeah, Byron. Um, he will be a miss. And it does seem like he will most likely miss this game. Um maybe even one ask about obviously we'll find out when Fark does his press conference as to how long he's going to be out for, um but he won't take enough in the game against Blackburn. Um but we've got it seems like he could Spence, who may replace him which I'm sure you are excited for.
2: I am, I am. But um, I'm kind of, we'll talk about this a bit later, but I'm kind of interested to see what Farker does with the fullbacks and wingers because I think they could move some things around, but we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, But yeah, do we expect Leeds to change much in terms of the game in possession? Do you expect much different from the game against Blackburn. Um, obviously, Sunderland are at home. And, and like I mentioned earlier, they might look to possess the ball themselves. I think that's probably most likely what will happen. So it could become a bit of a, a turnover game in the middle of the park where the ball keeps moving around a lot. But I think we will try to possess it, don't you?
1: Yeah, I would imagine we will try to possess the ball. I think possibly the main thing I could maybe see them, us doing differently is maybe giving a little bit more respect to Jack Clark and maybe not get Archie as far forward in this game um because he's a massive threat and i think just to accommodate for that i think we may see actually playing a little bit deeper and not getting main forward as often just so we have him deeper to aid with the rest defense part and making sure that we are well protected on that side I think that could be the main thing that we'll see, but we will still look to do all the rest of the normal things that we do in possession. We'll try to test the ball when we've got it, and we'll also look to attack in transition when the opportunities rise.
2: Yeah, and how you kind of touched on it a little bit there. How do you expect us to approach this game out of possession, especially with regards to threats like Clark? Yeah, I think we'll probably
1: do quite similar to what we have been doing, and I think we could end up seeing another man-marking approach in this game. and. Archie especially will be keeping a very close eye on Jack Clark, obviously, because he is their biggest threat. But on the other side, whoever is playing left-back will also have to keep a close eye on Patrick Roberts because he's also a very dangerous player who's also very good at beating his marker and is quite flashy with the way he does it as well. I've seen a few little reels of his and he's very, very talented. So we've got both sides have got players to keep an eye on. So it's going to make it difficult for our full-backs to cope with, I think. Whoever is playing at left back, whether it be Spencer, whether it be Shackleton, possibly, um, I think those are probably the two most likely ones who will play there. Um, but I think we will probably still press high in this game. Um, we did the same in all our recent games. We I seem to be settled on that now. That's uh, no matter the opponent that we're playing against, we will try to press them and turn over the ball in dangerous situations to make best use of the attackers we've got in transitional moments, which will be the same, I think, for this. So, no, I don't think he'll be too much different in regards to out of possession, Do you think there could be any major changes in that?
2: No, I don't. I'm just really terrified <laughs> if, uh, if our press doesn't yeah. work and then they get around us and then you've got Clark and Roberts running at players. It's just a yeah. bit bit scary. Just be thankful, to be honest, that they don't have Am- Ahmad Diallo, who they had last season as well. Mm. They had all three of them on the pitch at once. Yeah, three absolutely ridiculous players in transition. That was sc- yeah, scary, just very scary. <laughs> played him as a number 10 Ooh. as well but yeah I think it'll largely be the same uh, I think Roberts and Clark are, are things to be wary of and I think we need to be careful in terms of our pressing not to get caught out and, and let them get space to run into essentially and, and like you've touched on with Gray being a, a player that's going to have to be um, sort of saved for the rest of the fence I would also be very wary with Ampadu and, and keeping him fairly close by in case Clark does beat Gray inside and is is looking to drive it at the box. I think Ampadu might need to come across or he might need to be in close proximity to to deal with that himself as well because Clark is a very tricky customer. Um, but yeah, I guess the next question is from a Leeds perspective, we've talked about Clark a lot here and um, he's obviously going to be a big threat in transition but we have our own Threats in transition and if the game does become stretched like that we have players like Somerville Ruter that can, can really hurt them and James and players like that and we saw that against Blackburn and, and who are the other guys I guess that you expect to have a big game um, if you want to talk about any of them go ahead
1: yeah I think that absolutely Somerville is the guy who I'll be looking at to make the most difference in this game alongside um, James and Ruter I think that's one of the, one the best areas and our players who are both in transition will be most effective in this game because Sunderland will commit bodies forward that is something we have to notice, that they will make a loss. And as long as we can defend those moments well, we will absolutely have a lot of space to play into. So our wide men is definitely something which we'll need to play, have a good game to get results today. Uh, not today, in the, in this game. And also our fullbacks will need to be having a very strong game for us to get anything out of this game. We'll need them to be on the best performance. Um Archie has generally been pretty solid when it comes to 1v1 dribblers, but I think this will be the biggest test of his admittedly quite short career so far. <laughs> but it will definitely be the biggest test that he's faced yet in defending against Jack Clark because there's not many players in this division who have been able to stop him. He's pretty inev- inevitable in what he does. You can see what he's going to do, but just stopping it is the other thing. And He's able to go both outside and inside, which keeps Fullback Gibson as well. So, yeah, i going to have the, the game of his life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's probably the main thing that I could say. And I can't think of anyone, really, who would have bad impact on this game. Um, most of our players are farming relatively good. And mm. so I cannot think of anyone major who regards a bad. Not no, sure um,
2: uh, not at all, actually, no. Uh, I, I, I am worried a bit, a bit about Grey, obviously. That's the main one. Um... He had to grow into the game a little bit against Leicester, didn't he, with Mavadidi. I think Mavadidi was was having the better of him for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes and then Gray sort of grew into that. Um but yeah, he might have the same same thing again. I'm I'm interested to see if Jed Spence plays at left back. Obviously I'm skipping ahead a bit to our predicted lineup, but I, I think that's probably the most likely. And if he is there, that's a, a right footed, very physical, very fast player playing as a left footed winger at left back, and I think that, that actually Probably is a good matchup for us um, if he's able to start and, and play, and you know he's sharp. Um, I don't think that that Roberts will have way too much joy out of him even though he is a tricky customer I think that's a, a decent matchup for us I say this now and he's going to have the game of his life but yeah um, I think that's the the fullback is, area is the one of concern most I would say um, but yeah I think in general it's more positives and I, I wanted to talk about Joel Pro a little bit as well we've we've mentioned in other games when he's come up against pivot players and especially single pivots like him putting himself on them and just man marking now Ek was a really strong really physical boy and I think he can get out of pressure just by being a lot stronger than his opponent um, but I think if Perot is at any point, because uh, I think having him in that role and having him kind of in that simplified version of just man marking will be good for him. But I think if he's in that role and Eck was ever caught out with the ball, either by Perot or another player in that area, and we can get the ball to Perot quickly and driving at the back line, I think that there's going to be spaces for him to occupy around their box to get shots off, I think more than usual. And I hope we find him with passes if, if that becomes the case. Um so yeah, that is definitely, as we mentioned earlier with Equa and the way he could be caught out, I think that that is definitely something to take into consideration. And, and I guess if I was going to try and make a, like a, and I would never do this, but a goal scorer prediction, I, I'm going to say Perot's going to score one probably around the 20-yard to sort of 16-yard mark, um, either just outside or just inside the box. Um, but that all depends on a transitional moment if we can catch them out like that. So I'm hoping we can, because I've said it now. But yeah. Um, it, I've kind of touched on it there, but um, what do you expect the kind of predicted lineup to be? What, what are you predicting the lineup to be, should I say?
1: I would expect it to be very similar to the last game, but with Spence coming in at left-back. I think that's the most likely thing to happen, because that was the player who he called upon. So, on the one in the game when Aaron got injured, and I believe Sackleton was also on a bench. Am I correct on that? I think he was. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah I so the, uh, I think he's probably the most likely one, and the player who will be wanting to get more minutes as well. It could be a bit of a challenge for him to, give, to get us out straight away, but I do back Spence to be able to handle that. Um, I thought he did well in the game when he came on. And he. I don't know if there's been a lot made about that one moment where he didn't get back quite as quickly as what we, sh- we know that he can. Uh, and that's been overblown so massively. I talked about it a bit on the, on, on the review, um, so I won't go into it too much. Just listen to what I said on the review about that thing. But yeah, it annoyed me, <laughs> the response to that. really. Um, but yeah I think Spence will be coming in the rest of the side will it itself it'll be bringing it right back with Roden and Shrouk in, in defence ahead of that it'll be doing and Camara with Somerville and James and Ruter.
2: I agree um, and I think that Byron will be rested even if it is just a precaution thing because basically Farker said the next two games he was hit and miss for like all, it was touch and go, whatever he, he kind of like hinted that he was a, a doubt for those two so even if he's close to being ready, they might just wait for the, the Coventry game on Saturday instead. Um, so Spence would then come in. I guess the only question would be whether he might tempted to swap around the fullbacks and wingers. And I know we've touched on this a little bit before in other podcasts. Um, obviously, if people don't know, Parker's team obviously plays a, a fullback a little bit higher and wider than the other, and the other one more Im- inverted and on the other side with the wingers kind of the opposite of that. So one winger will be high and wide and one of them will be inverted, but it's on the opposite side, like I say. Um, so Spence's best role is going to be as the high and wide fullback. Now he could do it at left back because that's what Byron has been doing so far with great is the sort of more inverted player, but I, don't know he'll be tempted to swap them and and play Spence on Clark's side and said don't think it's likely but I'm just I'm just saying it could happen Um, and if he does that then I would suspect James and some of it would also swap but again wouldn't be 100% sure of that either Um, I think we'll have to wait and see but I am I'm with you I'm expecting Spence to play at left back and to probably be the the most advanced of the two fullbacks for this game Um, but yes what are you expecting this sort of matchup will look like uh, across the pitch what are you expecting the game to look
1: like I think it'll probably be close uh, quite close possession wise to start with I think both teams will have spells where they will possess the ball and there will also be times where both teams are put on pressure by the opposition's out of possession approach I do think someone's approach is relatively solid I think we will be able to play through it at times and I think there will be other times where they do catch us out of it and maybe maybe some, some shots from high regains but I do think that it will, will be made just about legit, but it is at something's ground, so anything can happen in that respect. It will be quite a transitional game, I think. I think both teams will be looking to take advantage of the space the have leaves behind, so there will be a lot of direct attacks from one end to the other, and flawed briefly by spells of possession for each team. So it's going to be a very interesting game to see who comes out on top of that transitional battle. And It will be a lot of individuals who will have to make the best of their moments to shine and take advantage of the chances that are there to get them. So it will be a fair amount for each individual player, I think, to impress on this game. Yep. Yeah, totally agree with
2: everything you said, essentially. I think the crowd will have a bit of a an impact there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a, a noisy bunch is a big crowd in a big ground. Um, and that obviously will help them at home. And it has. I think they've been a pretty good team at home this season. It's been the away form, um, which has been a bit iffy, which is actually the opposite of last season. They were a better yeah. away side, but it's flipped. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they're really much better team than I think a lot of people think I think a lot of people have seen them floating around those sort of 6th to sort of 12th spots and have not thought that much of them but they've actually got one of the best XG differentials in the league and so I think that they're they're one of our harder games that we've got in this little run really um, quite worried about a lot of their threats like you say I think the ball might just be turned over a lot in midfield and, and possession might be sort of to and fro a little bit I, I totally agree with that um, but yeah um, where do you think personally that the game will be won or lost
1: I think I don't think it will actually be in the possession battle. I think it'll be in the transitional element. I think agree. It's agree. Uh, I think that's what what's going to decide this game. I think both teams' out possession approach will cause problems with each with the opposition trying to progress the ball to consolidate possession, and it will turn into whoever can make the most of their transitional attacks and who is more more clinical in those moments. Um, we were. Relatively clinical against Blackburn, other than maybe a couple of things, we didn't have very many big chances in that game, and we came out on top. Um, and if we can do the same against Sunderland, then we should have a good time. But if we don't, it could end up getting a bit messy, especially if um, London pinch an early goal. It could end up making things very difficult for us. But we have responded well and we've re- taken an early goal recently, so it may not be the end, but it's definitely going to be, the game. Yeah, That's you excellent. touched
2: on something I was going to say, which is that both teams have been excellent when they've scored first this season. They've both been very good at protecting the lead. We've only let it go once. I don't know how many times they have, but I, I noted that I, they haven't done it very often, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I yeah, totally agree with everything. Again, um, not going to add too much, but it is those transitional threat attackers that both teams have. And I think we have a few more of them. So I'm hoping that that might just be the difference. I think this could be quite a low-scoring um, win for either team. That's what I would yeah. predict. I think it might be quite mid-blocky and cagey in the middle. And then if some teams can spring out of that with uh, either Clark or Somerville, really, for us or them... Um, then that's where a moment might be taken because both of those guys are so decisive when running at defences, backpedalling, both excellent at it. So I think that that's what it might come down to. And who has the better rest defence, which again, largely has been us this season, but you just don't know with, with the players they've got and again, we might not be able to unlock the the door at their end, so yes I, I think it's a really interesting game, another one to tick off that's, that's quite difficult but we've already beaten Middlesbrough and Blackburn so that's, we're going into this with good form, what's that now, nine wins in the last 11 yeah. for us, Two, uh, one draw, one mm-hmm. defeat brilliant, really, really good um, and even when we've not been 100% wholly convincing in every single aspect of games like against Blackburn they had good spells I think that Sunderland will hear and, and I think that that's fine because I think we can still win we've got the the players to do so um at the end of the pitch that matters let's put it that way but yes that kind of wraps everything up unless there's anything else you wanted to add no, no I don't think so I think we've covered everything quite well nicely. lovely I will wrap things up by first talking about the Patreon which obviously Tom Olson would both of us off for for not mentioning (laughs) but yeah for those who don't know patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return we put out patreon only podcasts and analysis articles and our patrons also get all of our podcasts ad free and early access to our preview podcasts such as this one for some of you um we've got an article coming up i think as well so that'll be on our pablo tier for subscribers um we're a bit pushed for time with how many games we have coming up and, and the busy schedule over Christmas and whatnot, and I think everyone knows that. But it should be finished in the next week or so, right, Martin?
1: Yeah, um, it's me who's doing this. Um, I'm not going to spoil what it's going to be about. I want it to be a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be in the, ne- in the next week or so. And the recent um that visual which I put out on the um Twitter account, uh, that is what it's in relation to. Um, and no one so far has guessed what it's about, so I want to, keep to that go and check up. the tweet and have your own guess, I guess, guys. Um, but yeah,
2: uh, we don't want to overpromise what we're kind of doing at the moment, even though that's in the works, because it, the schedule is so busy, and probably will be some slight changes towards the back end of the month around some of the really really busy periods uh, with how we do pods and and whether they're a bit shorter or we combine stuff. I don't know yet exactly. We haven't fully worked it out. We've got a few ideas in the works, but you you will still get plenty of content. Do not worry. Um, but yeah, it really helps us out when you support and it means that we can do more content like those so if you are interested and want to access any of that content you can sign up at martin Patreon.com slash A-S-A-W. Thank you so much. And I think a few of you have picked up on this now, but I'll mention it again. We've been doing Twitter spaces. We brought that back recently. Uh, it's something we used to do a lot with John and Darren in particular, and it's been something me and Martin have been doing a lot and, and told us, joined in a little bit as well. We didn't actually do it for the Black Lion game, but we will be able to do it for other games. We might do it for this one if there is time um, and there is enough people about. So about 10, 15 minutes after the lineups are announced, it's kind of an extra bit of this preview pod so please do head on over and put a tweet out so it'll remind you but please do remember if you can but yes, uh, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you Martin so far and we'll be back soon for a review of this game and to preview our next opponents, which is Coventry City, yes it is, Who we play on Saturday soon after Um, and all that's left for me to say is thank you to everyone that's listened in, Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the Sunderland game goodbye and have a great week